Hello everyone, I'm Lucy Fanger, CEO of On Technology Partners, and I'm proud to be sponsoring our new program, Women Stars. In each episode, we will spotlight an amazing woman and the struggles and triumphs that she has faced. Then we will reflect and share her insights. Our goal is to engage, entertain, and explore the women stars in our world today. I hope you enjoy. I want to thank all of you for listening today. My name is Shanti Harkness, and I'm the media manager for On Technology Partners, a woman-owned company addressing cybersecurity and risk. As a woman-owned business for the last 30 years, we wanted to share the stories of women and the struggles, triumphs, and reflections they face. This is why we started Women Stars. Today, we'll be talking with Lynn Ann Grease. Lynn Ann, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks, Shanti, for inviting me. Before we begin, just a little icebreaker question. If you could tell us something that others may not know about you or something exciting about yourself. Well, I would say people may not know that I pursued and achieved master gardener status uh, back in 2014. So that was always, gardening's always been a passion. So I just uh, went for the full, full Monty there and took the classes. So Oh, that's very exciting. I was actually looking into the very same thing a couple of years ago, but my schedule didn't didn't work out so well with, with when they were scheduling those classes. That is wonderful. Yeah, I'm a little jealous. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about what you do, where you work, what it's like, and how long you've been doing it. Sure. So um, in a nutshell, I guess my my story is that I have a finance career. Uh, The first half of my career was in traditional investment banking. Part of it was spent in New York City. And then when I moved to Cleveland, I worked for McDonald & Company, uh, which was subsumed into KeyBank in the late 90s. But that was traditional uh, finance work, like initial public (coughs) offerings, mergers and acquisitions, et cetera. In 2001, I transitioned into the venture capital space and have been there ever since. So I've worked for a variety of different funds, um, mostly investing in pre-seed and seed stage technology businesses for the most part. So to date, I've deployed oh, $40 million into upwards of 150 startups. Pretty impressive. Thank you. So how did you decide what you wanted to do with your life? Is this something that you've always done? So that's always a great question. And I, um, you know, I, I always applaud people who know exactly what it is that they want to do, but I was not one of those people. I will be completely candid and tell you that when I graduated from college, I basically looked for the highest paying job that I could get because I knew that I had student loans outstanding and that I had to pay them back. And at the time in the 80s, the folks that were paying the most were the banks and the bank training programs. And I lived in the Northeast. I lived in New Jersey at the time. So, you know, working in banking in New York was a doable thing. So really just the the appeal of having a steady paycheck and being able to sort of start paying down my loans was why I went into banking. And the first two years that I was in it, I had no idea what I was doing. I was completely clueless. I didn't grow up in a household where business was talked about over the dining room table. Um, so all of the terminology and all of the activities there were were new to me. But you know, I, I'm a perennial student, I like to think. And so I kind of just chipped away and figured out why I was there and what I was supposed to do and what all the terminology meant. And um, eventually went back for an MBA. And that's when things really started to gel, you know, because I could apply what I had been 
confused about and ask questions in a classroom and, you know, clarify what those things meant. Yeah, I was definitely not one of those people that knew what I wanted to do right out of, right out of college. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a small percentage. I think exploration yeah. into different careers is, is important when you're young. You know, you just have to kind of try on a few different things and see what fits. And really learn what areas you excel in, mm -hmm. I think is important also. Absolutely. And you get that through, through that exploration. So we know that triumphs don't come without struggles, right? So uh, talk to us a little bit about what some of your biggest struggles have been. Um, this can be either personally or professionally and how you were able to get through them and what kind of impact those struggles had on your life and your career. Interesting. Well, I feel like I've been um, blessed in life because when that question came across, I didn't have a lot of things to list, quite frankly, but I'll talk about sort of professional struggles um, which really didn't start to hit until I got more senior in my career. And I think a lot of women would probably have the same story, which is, you know, you, you've, you've grown up sort of in school, doing well, you know, getting the good grades, doing what people tell you to do. And even in your first years on the job, right, you're junior, you just, you succeed by doing what people tell you to do. And so eventually you get to be more senior and you're supposed to start developing your own book of business or going out and getting clients or selling and, you know, ra rather than doing the financial analysis, at least in my case. And those are things that you're not really trained for, right? You're, you're not innately salesy. And a lot of women especially are not innately salesy, right? It feels pushy. It feels overbearing. It feels not authentic. And so there's really no one teaching you that you have to kind of flip on a dime, right? If you want to progress in your career, be it in any kind of service business, right? Eventually you'll have to stop doing the work and you'll have to start selling the work. And to me, that was really a struggle. You know, I didn't, for being rewarded for doing good work and versus being, eventually you had to realize you're going to be rewarded for bringing in business, two totally different skill sets. So I struggled a lot with that and I'm not sure... I mean, I think I've ultimately found a career where it suits me and I, I can, investing is a different kind of sell, right? You're selling entrepreneurs on the fact that you want to partner with them. You're selling investors on the fact that you can invest in good companies on their behalf. And so I think I've ended up in a good place, but that was a, a really key struggle for me, you know, back in my investment banking days. Did you have a, a mentor that helped you with making that switch? You know, that's one thing I look back on my career and I, I really don't, I've never really had a mentor. I know people are always talking about them and seeking them out. And, you know, I, that's not to say I haven't worked with some amazing people who I can call for advice, but I would say I really don't have one, one person that I consider a mentor. And that's probably bad on me, you know, for not positioning myself and asking someone to serve that role for me. Well, and there's also, I mean, there's, there's all different, there's a lot of different ways that, that we can go about gaining that knowledge. You know, mm -hmm. it can be having a mentor or it can just be observing other people that are successful or, you know, taking a, a class or reading a book or, you know, so I think it's kind of a, a nice reminder also to, you know, if somebody doesn't have a mentor to not, not allow ourselves to say, oh, that was bad of me. I probably should like, there's, I mean, you're obviously successful in what you do. So, 
you know, you've. Yeah. You've, I never felt, I never felt the need to seek it out. Cause I really at this, I'd ha- I have a hard time defining what a mentor should do for you. You know, like part of me is like, I don't want to burden a busy person to like have them have this title that they don't even know what they're supposed to be doing having that title versus I just feel like I have a great network of people that I can call when I have specific problems. So maybe I have 10 mentors. I don't know. That network is definitely helpful. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Uh, So let's take a moment and focus on your biggest triumph. Can you share what that triumph was and what made it so great for you? Um, I would say professionally, it was working to establish the organization Jumpstart. That is an organization in Cleveland that was founded in 2003, really through the merger of four independent nonprofit organizations. And so that in and of itself was kind of overwhelming, Um, but working in in conjunction with uh, Ray Leach and Rebecca Braun and the board chairs of all these organizations, we, we were actually able to to get this organization created. And it really is a, a testament, I think, to the, the um, board chairs of these other nonprofits to really kind of say, okay, yes, we're going to give up our turf and for the good of the region, merge all these organizations together to serve entrepreneurs in a bigger and better way. So what Jumpstart does in a, in a nutshell is really serve regionally based technology entrepreneurs and it has a fund and it has services and it has a lot of other things that it does talent, you know, efforts uh, to, to really help the entrepreneurial ecosystem grow. And it was, it was really a fun ride. I was there for 10 years from the inception of it to 2014, um, managing the investment fund. And um, I would say, yeah, I'm very, I'm very proud of that. Very proud of that. That sounds wonderful. Uh, definitely a, a great triumph. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. So we know we all face difficult times. Uh, do you have any tips or tricks that you use to push through those difficult or challenging times? I guess my ad- advice, whatever comments would be, get a lot of sleep, <laughs> eat properly, get outside. Uh, but I feel like challenging times are challenging because there's probably been a lack of communication and a lack of realization of authenticity. So you've probably either compromised your beliefs or you've put yourself in a position where you're not exactly being authentic and something doesn't really feel right in your gut. And so, you know, communication, 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 I think is the best advice. I think I know when I have a difficult situation and I let it just sort of bottle up inside me, it's terrible, right? And so Absolutely. the minute you make that phone call and you say, hey, we just have to talk about this, like the levels of stress coming down. And even though the conversation is difficult, when you have it and you're done and you hang up, you're like, oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> so yeah, proper communication and, and sort of a similarly, you know, being your authentic self and just, you know, realizing that there's going to be ebbs and flows, right, in your business career. Not always great. Yeah. Communication is definitely key. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, and I love that you opened up with, with getting enough sleep and eating well and getting out in the sunshine, (laughs) because those are all very important things too, you know, for, for stress levels and definitely communication is key for so many things and can just, Mm -hmm. you know, make or break anything really. 
you know, it can make or break a, a professional relationship. It can make or break the success of a project, make or break the success of, of an organization or institution. So yeah, definitely, definitely communication is key. So as women, we, you know, we struggle a multitude of, of different things. We're juggling career and family and household responsibilities, um, maybe illnesses or caregiving. How do you maintain a work-life balance and how have you structured your, your team to help manage all of, all of these things? So I've been incredibly blessed. I, husband and I have had a somewhat non-traditional set, set up, but it's probably more traditional now. But, you know, when we had our first child, he was running a very small business he had um, just graduated from law school and decided not to practice law and was running a very small business out of our house. And I was working the big job with the benefits and the office and all that. So it just made sense from a practical standpoint for me to keep that job and for him to be the caregiver at home. It wasn't anything we ever strategized on. It was completely just a, this makes sense at the time, right? From an income standpoint. And really, that's the way our life went for the next 25 years. He just became, his business sort of petered out. He just became the full-time parent. And so, you know, I've had the benefit of what most men have, quite frankly, is the partner that's not working, that's there to do the shopping, to do the kids running around, to do all the things that the moms totally do. You know, I had that benefit. So I didn't face a lot of the same working women dual couple working women issues that some of my other female friends faced. So I think that answers your question. Was there anything else as part of it? I mean, women always take the, we always have the burden of the, I forget what they call it. It's the, um, just the mental burden of keeping the house neat and making sure the kid appointments and making sure they have clothes. I mean, he did a lot of that stuff, but it wasn't a, something that I had to remind him <laughs> to do it. You know what I mean? Cause I think, and, and I, I think about that a lot and I think I can't be angry that someone isn't, that isn't top of mind for someone because it's just not something to care about, right? Like he doesn't, you know, guys generally don't care if you come home and there's just kids toys all over the floor, right? That doesn't suit me. So I don't like it, but I feel like, you know what? I can't dictate. He's here. He's with the kids. He has to live here as well as me being happy and there's a compromise somewhere along the way. So, so in, in positions that you've held previous to, to owning your, your business, was Mm -hmm. there, do you think, do you think there's anything that employers could do to help be more supportive to, to women that, that are juggling all of these different things? Oh, I know what you, you asked me. You said, how did, what tools and techniques did you use? I have to say, I've been incredibly blessed, not just with my life partner, but with the fact that I've worked in jobs where there are service jobs that can be done from anywhere. And as technology has evolved, you know, I've always been blessed to have one of those jobs where no one cares if you're in the office or out of the office, as long as you get your work done. That's a, that's a luxury. That's a luxury job, right? Mm-hmm. And I've always been blessed to have a job like that. Um, no FaceTime. But on the flip side, you are working a lot, right? Your technology is with you at home, you're working nights. But personally, I love that because I happen to be really productive between, say, 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. 
but don't schedule the meeting for me at 7 a.m. You know, I won't even be out of bed, right? I believe that coronavirus obviously has shown that we, a lot of us can work like that and bosses are reluctant to realize that a lot of people can work like that without having to be in the office and FaceTime is something that might be going away. Those are all great things for women, I think. It's just hard for jobs that are place-based, you know, and, and I just haven't had to deal with that, quite frankly. I've, I've had a luxurious career where it's been mostly service industry-based. So, um, But technology is, is a beautiful thing. Most of the time. <laughs> when it's Most working the, the way it's supposed to. <laughs> right, and, and, but the flexibility that has given people is beyond measure. Absolutely. I, I know I'm, I'm very, very fortunate for that. Absolutely. Uh-huh. So Lynn Ann, as, as a woman, how do you define success for yourself? And do you have any tips or habits that have helped you to be successful? I define success um, really as being able to be your authentic self in a job that you love, making a wage that you can live on. That's really what I think everyone should aspire to, right? Find something you love, be able to, you know, when I was early in my career in banking, I never felt like I could bring my authentic self to work. I felt like you had to dress the part, look the part, talk the part, and your personal life was supposed to be at five o'clock somewhere else. And that's just not practical. People are who they are and they should bring who they are to work. And I think we've become much more accepting of all of that over you know, 30 years of my career, but it's still not perfect. So, you know, that's how I define success is really being able to find something you love doing and that you can get paid for and you can be authentic. I think that's a wonderful definition of success. What would you say is the absolute best advice you've ever received? Get out bad news right away. Um, Say that again, get out. Bad news right away. Get out in front of bad news. Um, You know, I think I implied earlier sort of sitting on bad news and hoping it'll go away. It's just not good for the the soul. It's not good for the body. It's not good for the business deal. You just have to kind of, it's painful, right? It's really painful to figure out how to do this. But the longer you're in business, the more you realize deals, a deal, for example, it'll start many times. There's good news. There's bad news. There's good news. There's bad news. First time you experience a bad news situation, you think, oh my God, this is so awful. Realizing it's just kind of the natural part of getting business done. That was probably the best advice I've ever gotten is just, you know, call a meeting, get on the phone, talk about bad news, get it out there and figure out a solution because it's not going to go away. That's very true. Comes back to that communication, right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So take a moment uh, and, and reflect on something that you wish you would have known sooner in life? Sure. I've always been pretty shy. I mean, people today probably don't think that of me, but it early in my career, I was very shy and just assumed that if you're doing good work, people will reward you or they will sort of figure out what you need or what you want to do. None of that could be farther from the truth, right? So you have to advocate for yourself and you have to speak up and you have to explain to people, you know, Hey, I'd really like to spend, I'm in finance right now, but I would love to get some experience in strategic planning. That sounds really exciting to me. Or could I spend a rotation in marketing and figure out that that's the path you want to go? 
wish I had known that or had the courage to do that a lot sooner. But again, I think it comes from that asking for permission mentality versus just kind of taking the bull by the horns and asking for forgiveness later on. So yeah, speaking up, making your desires and, and preferences known. Wish I did that a lot earlier. I think a lot of women can relate to that. I, I know I certainly can. It is very rewarding when you do finally speak up and say, you know what, I really would like to learn about, you know, X, Y, Z, or I would like to, you know, work on this project or that project, or I have an interest in, you know, this aspect of the business. It's very rewarding when, when you do get that Mm -hmm. additional experience and, and get to work on those different, different aspects that, that you might, you know, really excel in. Um, that, you know, you might not have been able to, to experience if you hadn't spoken up and, you know, that can open a lot of different doors for you as well, as far as, you know, future projects or assignments that you're working on and even, you know, future, you know, shifts in, in your career, maybe you thought you were going to go down one path and actually you realize that you actually really like this one over here. There's something to be said for bringing back the you know, a lot of companies can't do it because they don't have enough people, but the big bank training programs and the big corporate companies used to sort of rotate people throughout the entire company and give young people a taste of different departments. And so I think that that has gone by the wayside. I think people just hire for skill to fill a job and they don't give you the chance to rotate. And um, if I ever do run a company, you know, I firmly believe that I will give people the option, you know, if you're a marketing person, you can spend three months in finance, you can spend three months in accounting, you know, you may hate those three months, but at least you have a, a, an understanding and an appreciation for what the people in those departments do. And it shouldn't be something you, you just don't have any clue about. I think everyone will work more cohesively together if they, if they spend a little bit of time walking in someone else's shoes. So absolutely. So and, when and, I have a company, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, and it, it definitely will, can cut down on on that frustration. You realize, oh, okay, well, these are all the steps that have to be gone through before, you know, X, Y, Z can happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you didn't have that experience, you're just thinking, oh my gosh, why does it take them so long? All they have to do is sign a piece of paper when... Right when you're actually in it, you realize, oh no, there's actually a long process of sure. different things that have to take place. So that's a great idea. Yeah. That's my dream. Anyway. So what advice would you give to a young woman beginning her career? I think it's sort of along the lines of what I said before, advocate for yourself, speak up. What, what someone, what I have never done, but what I heard someone else tell me that they did, which I thought was really smart was really just kind of keep a diary of the projects that they worked on. And at the end of the year, they wrote up like a small memo to their boss and just said, you know, I just wanted you to know how I spent the 12 months. And, you know, chances are the boss gave them work and knows 70% of what they worked on, right? But there's always that thing where someone walks into your office and says, can you help me with this project that your boss may not know and you're a good person and so you do it, right? And so the time spent on on other stuff is equally important. And so really just to have a, a summary of the, what you did for the year and write it down, even if that's not a practice at your company, I thought that was genius. And I 
never had the idea to do that. I was always just like, well, you know, they know what I'm working on because they're giving me the assignments, right? But it's a really good way to advocate for yourself, keep people abreast of what you're doing and for your own good too, to really do time management. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing I would really encourage anyone to do, not just women, but in, anyone um, early in their career to kind of make that a habit or a practice. But yeah, I think that women probably don't toot their own horn enough. You know, again, a lot of this is changing and I would like to think that it's getting a lot better. But for anyone listening to this, if you're if you're shy and you think you're going to get ahead by just doing good work and keeping your head down, that is not true. You will get sort of far, but that won't be the qualities that are rewarded for success later on. Management, higher level jobs, more responsibility, those kinds of things. And don't be afraid to speak up. You know, I, I always tell the story of when I was in investment banking and I, I had had six years of work experience and an MBA. And I was still, you know, one of the younger people in the room and often didn't speak up because I thought, well, you know, I just don't have as much experience as these other people. And a young kid right out of college who's 23 or 24 is speaking up in, in meetings left and right, sounding like, you know, he knows what he's talking about. It took that kind of, you know, situation for me to look over and go, okay, this is silly. I do know something. I do have the right to speak up. I just have to do it. Do it. Excellent, excellent advice. I think a lot of I think a lot of women can relate to that about the the fear of speaking up. I I know I actually went through a similar experience when I first started in this position actually. Before I had even officially started, I I was part of an email chain for something and and I had suggestions. We were forming um, a mission statement for an organization mm-hmm. and I had made several suggestions on how to to improve it. And as soon as I sent that email, I second guessed myself like, oh gosh, I haven't even officially started and I'm already like saying, oh, you can make this better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was very well received. And right. you know, my my boss was absolutely wonderful. He's like, yes, this is what we want. This is what we need. Like, you know, make sure that you continue to provide this kind of, of feedback. He was really wonderful about validating that and and reassuring me that you know this is the kind of thing that they're looking for that's just a great reminder you know for for women to to not be afraid to speak up because we have we have a lot to contribute right you know a lot of great ideas they didn't hire you to sit in a meeting and be quiet right they hired you to use your brain and to contribute to the conversation and it's up to you to do it it's up to them to sort of draw you out in the beginning but it's up to you to kind of just put yourself out there and do it. Excellent, excellent words of advice. Thank you. So Lynn if somebody wanted to get in contact with you, how would they get in touch with you? Sure. My um, my email, I assume, will be connected to this somehow, but it's lagrease at greaseconsulting.com. That's G-R-I-E-S, Grease Consulting. Or my number is 216-978-2647. That's my mobile. So always on. Thank you so much for sharing that. Lynn it has been an absolute privilege speaking with you. Thank you so much for taking the time for this interview. Thank you. It's been an honor to be asked. So thank you so much for, for the great questions and the good conversation. Thank you. Thanks, Shanti. So On Technology Partners wants to thank you for joining us on this episode of Women's Stars. If you'd like to nominate a businesswoman to be interviewed for Women's Stars, please email their contact information 
and your reason for nominating them to stars at ontechpartners.com. My name is Shanti Harkness. Until next time, have a great day. Thank you for joining us on today's journey. Remember, you are all women stars. If you wish to learn more about our Women Stars program or want to be a guest on our show, contact us at stars at ontechpartners.com. And thank you to On Technology Partners for helping me make this program a reality. Remember, we at On Technology Partners want to help you protect your team from hackers. To learn more about our cybersecurity services, go to ontechnologypartners.com.